I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. The podcast. The podcast. And that's not Theo. No wait. <laughs> no wait. I'm not Actually, Theo. very fair. It is not Theo here. <laughs> I'm not Theo. Uh, I am not Juliet. Awesome. Much to my um, dismay. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, this is about to accept the podcast. We already said that. And uh, we have a, a very exciting show. For you guys this week, we hope. <laughs> we do. But um, before we get into all that, how has your week been, Theo? I haven't talked to you, it seems like, in forever, although it's only just an extra day. I know, but it's weird how like just going off schedule by one day feels like, oh my God, it's been a month since I've seen you or spoken to you. And right? even though we traded text messages, <laughs> hi, testing, <laughs> testing, red talk. leather, yellow leather. I've got it. Oh my okay. God. Um, so yeah, great week, nice week. Again, it's just that that whole thing of like being fully vaccinated or fully cooked, like I heard somebody yeah. call it, which I thought was cool. Um, <laughs> it's so much worry every week evaporates, and with Trump yeah. um, locked up in what was that prison in in Harry Potter? Rikers Island. I don't know. I didn't read Harry Potter. Stop. <laughs> i know well i did read the first book and then i thought okay I'm okay done. fair enough fair enough all right um whatever whatever wizard prison hidden island that trump is locked in on great so all that disappears so yay so life for me is feeling like like a party again like it used Hooray. to be every day of my life Right. I found that I'm forgetting to wear my mask places, which is not good because i don't want people to think i'm a republican same so i i went to the um I went to a hotel over the weekend just to get some room service in a nice hotel um, for a change of pace. And I forgot to wear my mask at the front desk, but they had plexiglass and all that. So I think it was okay. But uh, I realized in the middle of it that I was like, oh, shit, I'm not wearing my mask. And what do you do? You know, whip out your mask midway through? I probably could have, but I didn't. I just felt bad. I, I'm just going to say, have you heard of Uber Eats? Because it's sort of like yep. room service. Yeah, no, I use it at home, but you can't get it here in this tiny town in the middle of nowhere. So so I've been living on basically rice um, while I'm here because I don't want to go to the grocery store. So uh, it's terrible. I know. I'm so lazy. It's unbelievable how lazy I am. I'm just going to say it's hysterical and I'm going to mock you for months to come. <laughs> <laughs> I want room I service. I'm staying in a hotel. Yeah, that's right. Instead of going to the grocery store and getting food for while I'm here, I'll go. I'll drive two hours to stay in a nice hotel for one night. It makes perfect <laughs> sense. So. Well, everybody's entitled to a break, right? And so oh, totally. they call those in the travel industry, they call them city breaks, where oh, okay. you just like take a day, two days, you go to a local city, right? And experience yep. life there. So cool. Yeah. Um, so I am And it impressed. was nice to get away. 
So I got, I walked around the city a little bit and, you know, saw some things that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And there's, Phoenix has kind of gotten cooler than it was when um, I was last there. So that, which was like 20 years ago. So, you know, thank God for Phoenix getting cooler in 20 years. I used to hate Phoenix. I thought it was the biggest wasteland. Phoenix is is the worst. But well, it's better. Mixed feelings about Phoenix because it is still very golfy Republican, right? No mm-hmm. offense to half of my family. Um, Total offense to. <laughs> <laughs> Not to the ones that listen to the show then. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Um, we, we need their subscribers. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, we love those subscribers. So anyway. Um, we do. Yeah. I, Phoenix is a much better space. And um I did not go to any hotels this weekend, but I did sit on the couch yesterday for about four solid hours, punctuated by puppy potty breaks, of course. Uh, and I hey. watched a series on Hulu, a Hulu original called Rami, Rami. And I'm going to tell you some of the best television I've seen in a long while. Really? I, what, is it a documentary? Very or impressed. What was it? It's a it's a series and uh, fictional. Uh, television series about an Egyptian American millennial and sort of his life and his family's life. Right. And I was expecting it to be more like, Oh my God, how do I get my chocolate and my peanut butter of these two different cultures together to make a delicious sandwich? Because I'm so divided. And it wasn't that at all. Um, it was really, uh, interesting and they do great deep dives into each character so it starts off very focused on the main character, uh, Rami, and then it moves into his sister and then the mother. We haven't hit the father yet. I don't know that we will. But um, yeah, and it's just this this look at, at I'm going to use the word naked, and I don't, I don't know quite how or why. It's just such a, a glimpse into people at their most vulnerable. Well, Interesting. It's just, it's lovely. And I'm going to say that uh, episode four, Strawberries, was probably some of the best television I've ever seen. I would put it right up there next to Better Things, season one, episode, I think it was also four, with the exploration of uh, of one of her daughters. Uh, issue. I don't want to, I don't want to, I hate spoilers, so I'm just going to say like, Better Things, great TV, and Rami, surprisingly great TV. What the hell is Better Things? Oh, that's uh, Pamela Alden's show. And I say that like I know her and everybody should know her. I've never heard of her. She's the voice of uh, Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Oh, okay. Yep. And uh, and she's done a bunch of other things too, but I think primarily uh, voiceover stuff. And uh, she's got a television series. It's up to episode season five now. Uh, and she started it with Louis C.K. And the first four seasons, three seasons were with Louis C.K. And then everything broke. And now it's just kind of her doing the show on her own. And I'll say no big bump there. There's no real noticeable difference uh, in terms of the tone of the show. And uh, basically single working mother, actress in Hollywood, raising three daughters, the relationship you know, what does an all-female dynamic look like? The show is primarily female cast members. I think there's like maybe three male characters I can think of who make appearances now and then. But yeah, so um, 
So I, my plug, I am now using all of the oxygen in the room to talk about my two favorite shows, Rami being the new one and Better Things being an old favorite one. I was just thinking about when I was in the hotel this weekend, one of the highlights of my stay was watching television (laughs) because I don't have a TV here and I don't have a TV at home, but I watched, there was some channel that was showing old, old movies. And when I say old movies, I mean like eighties. And so I watched, um, I know. So I watched Mean Girls and I watched, um, um, Bring It On and I watched Pretty Woman, which I've seen before, but they were all really kind of entertaining. So, I mean, well, Bring It On was super shallow. I mean, not not shallow in the sense of petty, but shallow in the sense of there was nothing going on there. Is that the but dance one? That's the cheerleader one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. But the other two I have seen. Yeah, they're good. The other two are pretty good. Mean Girls is, is amazing and, like, iconic. And Tina Fey, I worship you. Yeah, totally. From She's afar. Great, so. Yeah. <laughs> From a respectful distance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond social distancing, Tina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, I don't think I've seen any other TV except I did see um, one episode of I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yeah. Which brings us into our, um, our, our topic, topic for today, which is the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Tough one. Um, uh Tough on on several levels, aside from just the subject matter, which, of course, is is horrifying. But I have this weird psychological need to sort of deflate tension with inappropriate humor. So we'll see what happens. I've got my (laughs) clicker ready. (laughs) Okay. Um, It should be fun. So everybody probably No, it shouldn't be fun. We're talking about a serial killer. <laughs> this should be horrible. Watching what you do. Oh, and yeah, and so um, <laughs> uh, well, let's start right here with um, uh, you know, hey everybody, explicit content warning and sexual assault will be uh, discussed not in great detail. A lot of respect for the victims uh, and we're going to be very careful to ensure that we honor the humanity of the um of the survivors and yeah and the victims of uh joseph d'angelo and what a horrible uh person he is and we will not be spending a lot of time focused on him there there is with serial killers some of them, there's sort of this, I hate to use these words, but I'm just going to use these words, right? We'll say it and clean it up later. Sort of this rock star status when you start talking about like the Zodiac killer, these these men that become mythic, uh, right. larger than life, right? Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be dicey. But um, I think we'll do well. I'm not oh, too concerned. I have zero concerns. Except for all the concerns that I have. Yeah. (laughs) All right. But those are the best shows. So here we go. Yeah, it'll it'll be unpredictable, but fine. Um, So I was saying everyone knows about the Golden State Killer by now, I'm guessing. Because uh, Michelle McNamara sort of made him famous by writing several articles and a book about him. And she actually coined the name Golden State Killer in 2013. Before that, he was um, they thought that he was actually several different people because of where he committed his crimes. I think his crimes were largely committed in the Sacramento area, the L.A. area, and the Visalia area, which is in central California. And so he was known as, God, I don't even know, the, the East 
area rapist the something else like four or five different names yeah he started off as uh the visalia ransacker in 74 to 75 and that's when he was breaking into houses um, and stealing things right Uh, perfecting his skill of breaking and entering and getting away without getting caught leaving clues behind and then uh in 76 he was the east area rapist and that's uh common from what I understand in uh, its serial killer development, where you have these, oh, what do they call them? They're not amplifications. They, progressions? Progressions, but there, there's a word for it. Um, they, like progressions isn't a word. Um, <laughs> that's no, just a bunch of sounds made out of letters, Juliet. <laughs> you need to use a word. Yeah, um, I know what you mean, but I can't think of the word. Yeah, it's not. They ramp it up, right? It escalates. Yeah, yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, there, right. There's this escalation, right? So it it starts off with um, breaking and entering, and then it moves into sexual assault, and then it moves into murder. So, uh, so Visalia ransacker, then the East Area rapist, and then uh, in 1979 he moved to Southern California, uh, where where his crimes were. He was given the name Night Stalker. Of course, nobody was connecting these uh, these cases um, together. He was the original Night Stalker because well, there was already another Night Stalker. Well, initially, yeah. So, and I wasn't ever. I didn't find anything to help me figure out, like, okay, why do they both have the same name? And so it yeah. seems like they both just sort of had the same name, Richard Ramirez. Um, yeah. Who I used to ship books to when I worked at Walden Books. In oh, wow. The, yeah, his aunt would come into the store and buy books for him and um, ship them. And so the California state law was that if you were going to ship books to a prisoner, they had to come directly from the business. That's why she couldn't buy I them see. and ship them herself. And I so, uh, yeah, they were going to say very... Uh, creepy and weird she was a nice older lady who looked very like italian grandmother black kind of drapey veiled sort of Uh thing right um and she once bought him the satanic bible wow yeah i know it's what i said too yeah and uh nobody in the store wanted to um wait on her and i felt (laughs) bad yeah. Well, and that's how I felt, right? It's like poor woman, not her fault that her she nephew. She didn't do anything, yeah. Right, exactly, and and so I, I was helping her, if you will, not uh-huh. so much. And then she kind of quit. Yeah. I mean, she only ever came in like two or three times. It's not like this was a, a weekly occurrence. Uh, but see how I've made the Golden State Killer all about me. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, so he was the original Night Stalker, and then in. 2013, um, Michelle McNamara and her editor at LA Magazine sort of both agreed on... It was Michelle McNamara's name, Golden State Killer. Um, and part of that came out of a conversation. And I'm sure we'll get we'll get to this, but um, in the evolution of, of the book, um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, it started off originally as a magazine article and her editor... Michelle McNamara's editor said, we've got to come up with a different name. Iran just doesn't have that ring. Right. Right. And so, uh, so that was Michelle McNamara's creation. Did you know that the first episode of my favorite murder was about the East area rapist? 
I've listened to the first episode um, probably like Did three you? or four times. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, wow. not, not in prep for this, right? I mean, I love My Favorite Murder. Uh, it's my favorite podcast. Um, <laughs> it's, I want, I'm going minute, to what? rename it as my favorite it's commercial. It's your favorite what? Po- oh. <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, <laughs> it's, it is my second favorite podcast. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, but anymore, it needs to be called my favorite commercial. I'm going to ram that oh, joke in real? there. Yeah. It's, yeah. Holy moly, ladies. I mean, I'm glad you're making long. money, but come on. Give me a break. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so anyways. Their, their yeah. 118th episode discussed the Golden State Killer's capture. I just wanted to say that. And I, I went back to that one to listen, to start doing some research for this episode of ours. And, yeah. and it was a lot of just talking, kind of like this episode, talking over each other and being like, oh my God, and this, <laughs> and then that, and then this. And I, I just wasn't yeah. getting anything from it other than I, I love their relationship. So that was fun. To yeah, hear. totally. Right. Okay, but I derailed you, so that's the uh, list of names that the Golden State Killer has gone by and sort of a timeline of when he was active in various areas areas in California. Yeah, yeah. So as Theo was mentioned, the uh, Golden State Killer is Joseph James D'Angelo, who is a Vietnam veteran who was once a police officer, um, where from, from which job he was fired for shoplifting as well as a killer who would break into homes to attack heterosexual couples while they were sleeping. And one of the things he would do, I'll just mention this briefly, is he would put dishes on the back of the man saying that if he heard the dishes rattle, he would kill both people, and then he would proceed to rape the woman. So he is admitted to 120 burglaries and 50 rapes, and later he progressed to killing the heterosexual couples, and he's murdered at least 13 people. At one point, his attacks averaged two a month, but they seemed to end in 1986, although he made some prank phone calls to former victims up until about 2001. You're right. One of those calls was 24 years later. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, just, just, I mean that poor woman getting that call. God, Right. I think it's maybe it's over. And then you get this call 24 years later from the guy who's obviously knows where you are and where you live. And Oh, terrible. uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I just, yeah. Nothing to be said about that except we're so sorry for her. Um, that experience. So they didn't find the Golden State Killer for 30 years until uh, 30 years after his last uh, murder, I guess, until 2018 when he was identified via DNA evidence from a Ventura County rape kit. So using that uh, DNA evidence, the detectives were able to create a family tree, which narrowed the scope down to two possibilities, one of which was ruled out by a DNA test, leaving D'Angelo the remaining suspect. So what they did then was they went out to D'Angelo's car and got um, working with the garbage men. They got some tissues from his garbage and gathered DNA samples from there, which identified him as the person uh, from the rape kit. So, yeah, and yeah, there's that interesting thing in there. Um, where they pulled a tissue out of his garbage can in order to get his DNA. Um, Because you have to be careful about collecting people's DNA. You can't just get it without permission from them. Uh, But if you throw garbage away, it's it's a free-for-all. Fair game, yeah. Garbage is fair game. And then they they created the family tree by using a, a public 
public slash private. There's a private company, but the information is available to anyone. Um, uh, genealogy site, website. I forget which one it was, but it wasn't one I had heard of before. But they use the um, the DNA evidence to create a family tree using one of these genealogy websites to track down relatives of um, the person whose DNA it was. I think that's right. Is that right? That is right. Um, and I think it's called something like Gen Ed. But, oh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was a site I'd never heard of before. Um, I think they also did run it through Ancestry.com as well. But for sure, the um, the break in the case came from this I'm fairly sure it's G E N capitals and then a separate word E D. Uh, but don't hold me to that. And even though I just said I'm fairly sure. Um and interesting. Uh and you know, probably in another hundred years, the minute you're born, they're gonna be swapping you, taking your DNA, sticking a database, and then boom. I'm surprised they don't already do that, actually. But I guess they don't. I, I don't know if they take your fingerprints when you're born. I guess not, because I had to have mine taken for for when I was a um, notary. But I don't know. Anyway, I guess now you have to have your fingerprints done for your driver's license and your passport. So Didn't pretty much everyone's had their fingerprints done. Footprints or something? Uh, who knows? I don't know anything yeah, about babies. I don't know. I was thinking about that, too. But I don't know anything about babies either. Thank God. Um so the, one of the other interesting things about D'Angelo was that when he was in the police interrogation room alone, after he was arrested in April 2018, he said, I did all that. I didn't have the strength to push him out. He made me. He went with me. It was like in my head. I mean, he's a part of me. I didn't want to do those things. I pushed Jerry out and had a happy life. I did all those things. I destroyed all their lives, so now I've got to pay the price. So it seems to me like he was trying to set up some sort of defense. Oh, like he was. Yeah. Yeah. You Please. think? Like he had multiple personalities or some insanity defense or something like that? He's not sure what to do, right? I've I've watched a couple of videos where he's wheeled into court and he looks yeah. like such a decrepit, confused, semi-demented old man, senile. Right. Like, where am right. I? What's happening? So frail. Yeah. But look in those eyes. And this isn't me projecting. This is me knowing uh, that... He's a very fit person. You can yeah. just tell by looking in his eyes that this is an act. He is evaluating mm -hmm. how people are watching him. Yeah, and I think um, when he apologized, he was a little bit more coherent than he seemed to be through the rest of the trial. But we'll talk about the apology later. Right. Yeah, and he stood up without, without big issue. Without and any help, yeah. The other thing is this is a guy who was killing people right. and then going home and raising his three daughters, uh, yeah, you know, and and yeah. being a neighbor, and having a job, and having coworkers, and going out in the world, going to the grocery store, cutting his lawn. Right now, his neighbors did refer to him as Crazy Joe, and <laughs> they which, did say he had a he had a temper. He had a temper, um, and I was listening to a podcast this morning. Famous mm -hmm. last dash for good gossip. Because um, a lot of these details are just simply known. And so we want to try and bring something fresh to the story. Um, and so uh, th there were three neighbor kids who lived next door to him. And they had a trampoline in their backyard. And they would spend, sometimes in the summer, they would do little campouts in the backyard, right? The three kids uh -huh, in a uh -huh. tent. Uh, very suburbs, very 
homey, very wholesome stuff. And uh, D'Angelo would come out at all hours of the night into his backyard and walk around and cuss and swear. And uh, he would sometimes come up to the fence and shout at the kids and tell them, you oh, know, wow. to get the fuck away from the fence and all of that. So um, the family whose name I don't have um, had a uh, three-month-old Rottweiler puppy. And mm-hmm. D'Angelo called them one day and left a message on yeah. their answering machine while they were out. Now, they're neighbors, right? Yeah. He knows they're gone. And he yeah. calls and he left a message on their machine um, saying, if you don't keep that dog quiet, I'll bring a load of death to your house. And when the father of that family got home, he uh, shouted from his yard for D'Angelo to come outside and then proceeded to tell D'Angelo that he didn't give a shit about the dog anymore, that D'Angelo had called and left a death threat at his home, and that he expected this to be the end of it, right? Yeah, And yeah. I'm just like, are you, I, hi, number one, you call the police. Number two, you right. sue the fuck out of that guy and you own his home. Right, I mean, right. Well, you, I don't you think drive you him into the ground. giving you a death threat, can you? Um, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Um, but I think, uh, you could certainly sue somebody in civil court for whatever you want. I mean, you can sue anybody anytime for anything. Um, so no, would the police have done anything? No, but could I have buried that guy under legal? I totally hundred percent. I mean, I like to think I could, I probably would have, um, being the chicken that I am run into the closet, close the door and not come outside for five years. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, let's talk about the police a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I was I was reading an article in the New Republic, I think it was, about um, my favorite murder. And one of the problems with crime shows like that is their sort of um, portrayal of the police as well-intentioned and competent. And I think as we've seen over the past couple of years, that's not necessarily the case. So I, I wonder if nowadays, if I got a threat over mm-hmm. the phone, would I call the police? And, you know, I probably yes. wouldn't. Like, I used to call the police when there was like a... a when the wind blew? Fighting, when the wind blew. When people were fighting in the street outside or something like that. But I don't think I would do that anymore. I'm, I think that... I don't know that the police would do anything beneficial. I think they might come and talk to the people. Maybe they would talk to people. Maybe they would just throw them in jail or throw them, you know, in something. Um Maybe I, they would kill them. I you can, know, who knows? Maybe they would kill them. No, I mean, seriously. I mean, what if they were black oh, people in, uh, oh, I mean, in yeah. San Francisco? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot yeah. we were in 2021. I, we're in 2021. Yeah. Whoops. So um, the police are not necessarily your go-to for any kind of issue anymore. Well, I'm going to help you with this one. You call yeah. the police and it's not because you anticipate the police are going to resolve anything for you. You do it to establish a record. You start laying a paper trail. And you do that for another very specific reason. If something ever happens to you, there's a paper trail for people to maybe hopefully connect some dots. And if you need to sue somebody, there's a paper trail, you know, that shows like you you made some attempts to do some things to resolve the situation. You didn't just go outside with your can of mace and spray the Frisbee players in the face. 
Yeah, it's like when you have to fire somebody and you have to include HR in your conversations the whole time. You and you have you know to spray HR them with mace. Even though you know HR is not going to do anything for you necessarily, you just need to include them so that you're building a record. Exactly. Same, person. same thing, essentially. Yeah. Um, That's unfortunate, though, that the police are not as helpful as they should be. Well, you know, and then it's a bigger conversation. I don't know that it's for yeah. this episode, but then yeah. it sort of gets down to what is the actual job of the police. And so right. would it be more appropriate to have like a social worker come out or have a... It I totally would be more appropriate. Yeah, I, think I can't think of all the other police, types. They um, should send out somebody, you know, trained to handle whatever the situation is, as opposed to just coming out and not knowing really what to do. Or not doing the right thing, or taking a taking a um, a forceful approach as opposed to a, a helpful approach. Have you seen those uh, police robot dogs? I forget what I've city was them. using yeah. them. Yeah, I don't know if they're actually are they actually being used. They're being tested. Oh. Yeah. For what? Police work. Because well, what's so, the robot dog going to do? Well, the robot dog is going to be non-emotional. And have bullets. I don't know. I mean, that's basically it. What can it do? It can shoot people. It can't I, really offer any sort of help. Um, Interesting. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. A, I haven't a clue. I guess the idea is that the dog, the robot dog, walks around and just knowing that it could potentially shoot you, shoot you're you? forced to behave. <laughs> is that like RoboCop or something? It's totally like <laughs> RoboCop. Yeah, I, I have no nice. idea. But I think what what the what the experiment is within that is sort of how do we divorce human emotion from policing? Yeah. Right. I don't know that that's right either though. I mean, shouldn't you be able to feel compassion for people? Oh, well, totally. Right. But so here, here's the other side of the spectrum. Um, you've got a, a cop. I'm trying to yeah. find another word. Right. Um, Cause I just feel like that's also dehumanizing. Cuphead. but Oh, goodbye, listening audience. <laughs> um, you you have a police officer. There's a good word. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're human and they've been chasing yeah. somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, in their police car, high speed chase, let's say, right? And the person finally pulls over and gets out. The, the police officer is filled with adrenaline and that yeah, adrenaline totally. doesn't disappear quickly. And that's why you will see so many videos of police officers kicking suspects have been handcuffed it's i'm not saying it excuses the behavior i'm just saying there's a physiological explanation for why some people sometimes continue to act out even though a situation is under control it's just they have so much uh, epinephrine or adrenaline in their system that they just like and so could you train somebody to turn around and punch the hood of a car yeah you totally could do that I don't know. I'm not sure that robots are our answer, but I don't think you're saying that they are. So I don't think they're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I will defend robots. <laughs> but yes. anyway, yeah. So um, robot dogs and police officers were unable to catch uh, the Golden State Killer. He yep. was um, well, well adapted well adept that's the word i'm looking for at evading detection um yeah and what thank god I, for dna evidence thank god for dna evidence um and on that front of thank god for dna evidence i want to read two quick paragraphs from michelle mcnamara's book i'll be gone in the dark this is from the epilogue 
letter to an old man, uh, which she wrote, I believe, before she actually wrote this book. Um, so the race was yours. She's addressing the killer. The race was yours to win. You were the observer in power, never observed. An initial setback came in September 10th, 1984 in a lab in Leicester University when geneticist Alec Jeffries developed the first DNA profile. Another came in 1989 when Tim Berners-Lee wrote a proposal for the World Wide Web. People who weren't even aware of you or your crimes began devising algorithms that could help find you. In 1998, Larry Page and Sergey Brin incorporated their company, Google. Boxes with your police reports were hauled out, scanned, digitized, and shared. The world hummed with connectivity and speed. Smartphones, optical character recognition technology, customizable interactive maps, familial DNA. One day soon, you'll hear a car pull up to your curb. An engine cut out. You'll hear footsteps coming up your front walk like they did for Edward Wayne Edwards 29 years after he killed Timothy Hack and Kelly Drew in Sullivan, Wisconsin, like they did for Kenneth Lee Hicks 30 years after he killed Lori Billingsley in Aloha, Oregon. The doorbell rings. No side gates are left open. You're long past leaping over a fence. Take one of your hyper-gulping breaths. Clench your teeth. Inch timidly toward the insistent bell. This is how it ends for you. You will be silent forever, and I'll be gone in the dark, you threatened a victim once. Open the door. Show us your face. Walk into the light. I mean, just the... I mean, you know, she's amazing. It's just so much empathy. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. somebody once uh, described her as crippled by empathy, which was an uh. uh, uh, interesting way to to look at Michelle McNamara's feelings sad. Uh, in this case. Yeah, yeah, that's very sad. It's so, oh. She seemed like a really cool person. I mean, she seemed very down to earth and, and very, um, very real and really like somebody I would have liked to have known, which I don't say very often, but... <laughs> <laughs> that reflects more on me than on her, unfortunately. <laughs> no, it's more on everybody else. <laughs> How dare you all not be Michelle McNamara? <laughs> How dare you not be cool? Um, but yeah, she, um, although, well, I won't say that. <laughs> Click. <laughs> okay. We'll just say this. We will say that um, she was an amazing person, very inspirational. And it's a tragedy that she didn't live to see the yeah. capture. Her book published or the capture of the yeah. Golden State Killer. So um, she really, she was amazing and she did so much for so many people, I think. Um, and they said they, uh, when I was watching the um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark on HBO, they called her an introvert, but they also had recordings of her calling people up and being all like, hey, this is Michelle. You don't know me, but I'm calling about blah, blah, blah. And man, that's no introvert. She's uh, if she's an introvert. She's a very low-level one. Right, yeah. Um, there's this, I am an introvert. I am a very shy person. And that might not come across, but there no. is this defense mechanism that introverts have where it's right. faked extrovertedness, yes. yeah. right? Um, and so, yeah, um, I once had a job that required me to go up to people at trade shows and introduce myself yeah. and talk to them. Um, it, my job is all about like public relations and connections. And the only way to have a connection mm -hmm. with somebody is to meet them. And 
it, it was just torture. I hated it. I hated it. Hated it. Hated it. But it I developed didn't a trick. You didn't like that job. Oh, What's I, your trick? I like the job. Uh, the, yeah. There were many parts of the job that were very cool. But one of the things that I absolutely hated was this this dependency on meeting people, right? Um, and so my trick was whenever I'd go to these big conferences, um, you know, it's 5,000 people. I don't, maybe I know five of them that are there. Um, I would go into the ballroom and I would look for somebody standing by themselves. And I would go up to that person and introduce myself because there's a fellow introvert who is hiding. And then just whatever talk. And then I would wait and see if somebody by themselves was walking by, I'd flag them down and have them come join us. And suddenly we go from a group of two people to a group of four people to a group of five people. I'm going to keep counting up until you stop me. Then six people, <laughs> then seven people. Seven. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I never would have thought about that. I, I will go up and talk to individuals standing oh, by themselves if I feel like it, but not the other part. It works. Uh, it works great because everybody wants to be part of a group and yeah. everybody wants to be welcomed in. Um, and, and yeah, you know, now um, after that, th- it was helpful because then the next day I could see a face in the hallway and wave at them. And you'd know them, yeah. But sometimes I would just wave at people I didn't know and pretend that I did. <laughs> Fuck it. That's like the thing I saw on YouTube or wherever where the woman meets the other woman in the grocery store and she's like, oh, hey, how are you? And they realize eventually that they don't know each other. It's funny. That's funny. And, uh, and that happened a lot. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. So, uh, so we have the Golden State Killer in jail now. He's um, been sentenced with um, essentially his life in in prison. Um, yeah. So the statute of limitations had expired for his rapes and burglaries, which is unfortunate because there were like 120 burglaries and 50 rapes. But he was charged with 13 counts of murder and 13 counts of kidnapping. And then on June 29, 2020. Um, in a deal that he took in order to avoid the death penalty, he pleaded guilty to those counts of murder and kidnapping and got multiple consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Yay. yay. Uh, although I want to say, I say yay, but again, problematic because um, prison is no place for a human being to be. Uh, even though these human beings may not be rehabilitatable. Is that a word? Sure, um, it is now. They shouldn't be... And I'll say tortured, but um, it's not tortured like torture in the sense of prisoners of war. But I think that prison is probably torture for many people. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, yeah. I, it's, I'm not even qualified to, to speak on the psychological torment that that people. But then, I, I mean, you know, this is just where I start to fall down because it's like, yeah, prison's bad, but then so are murderers. Well, in the first place, the problem with that is that a lot of people are, are, um, are um, what's the word? Falsely accused, accused? Falsely accused and are imprisoned falsely. And that's, you should never, that's bad. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> that's not right. what I was going to say. But, the... but um, even though, I don't think prison should be a terrible place. It shouldn't be fun necessarily, but... Uh, I think being imprisoned is bad enough without having to suffer so many of the things that happen in prisons on top of it. So just just taking someone out of society is sufficient in most cases, I think. Okay, but then like what would that look like? Would they just be confined to their homes? 
Um, you could you could have shared housing or whatever, but I think they should be allowed to do things like read books. Like a lot of places, prisoners can't get books anymore. Really? Oh, I always yeah. had this vision of I don't want to say prison being cushy. Like the um, my fear of prison would be the social structure in prison yeah. and yeah. getting beaten up all the time. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that certainly happens. And so it would be the the fear of like being thrown in among a bunch of cannibals and to just basically fend for yourself and you don't get a fork or a spoon your dinner. Yeah, I mean that's bad enough. That that shouldn't be the case. But I think on top but of that, there's really nothing to do except watch television if you have a, if you have access to television, and you know, be afraid of being murdered. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been the pandemic for me. Um, <laughs> but you can go out and take a walk, and you're not. That's you true. Know, I, mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not saying that it was prison, um, but more. I sort of had this idea that prison was maybe a little cushy for some people, but maybe that. I think for white collar criminals, that might be the case for white people. Okay. Um, Rich white people, it's probably not as bad. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, those federal uh, low security country club prisons, mm-hmm. right? But but not even that. I just sort of thought like prisons had libraries and I'm not going to call it an educational system, but teachers that would come in and, and volunteer. Um, I don't think so much anymore. Wow. Yeah. I have, I have no idea. Well, right. Because prisons have become privatized. Yeah. And there's no money in helping people learn to read or whatever there may be. There is no money in helping people learn to read. No. And that's one reason people go out and, and uh, the reading rate is so high. So <laughs> you, you go out and you can't read. What are you going to do? You can't get a job. There's nothing for you to do but go back to committing crime. So anyway, that's sort of a topic for perhaps another podcast. Hooray for criminals. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, it's it's tough, and it, we're we're not going to solve it, and we're not going to solve it on purpose. We could come up with the answer, but no, <laughs> we're going to keep it to ourselves because we're uh, just like that, we're, right? Totally. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll say well. So this kind of gets down to the, that question of how do you? I don't know. Right? I'll say this. Um, when the Golden State Killer was caught, I was glad, of course, right? Yeah. And yeah. sort of my initial reaction was, oh, he should be raped. He should totally be tied uh, up and raped by everybody that he, you know, that they should just let that happen, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you can't do that. That's not, that's not it, right? But I'm against the death penalty, um, mm-hmm. uh, very much so. I don't think that the state should, even aside from like, oh, they make mistakes. Uh, I think that even happened two weeks ago. There was a guy that was executed four years ago that they finally got DNA evidence off of a gun thanks to new technology and discovered like, oops, it wasn't him. Um, So even aside from that happening, I just don't think the state should be in the business of killing people. I agree. I agree. It's, I don't, I'm. I'm not pro-life, but I'm anti-death penalty. Uh, I mean, yeah, pro-life. Yeah, yeah. Not, neither of us are pro-life. Or uh, it's not pro-life anymore. It's it's pro-choice. Call it something else. Isn't it pro-choice? Well, pro-choice is the opposite. Pro-choice is the opposite. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I haven't had any coffee this morning. I'm sure you can tell. I, I should have more coffee before podcasts. Um, 
So do we want to talk about the apology? There yes, was an let, apology, which let's, in let's, itself is shocking. Let's talk about the apology, maybe. and then I think we could even maybe get into the psychology of sociopaths. And, okay. Um, because I just had the feeling when I watched his apology that he was enjoying every second of it. It was kind of creepy like that. And that's me projecting, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely felt like um, I've had creepy old men hit on me, right? And mm -hmm. and sort of that they're not overtly doing it kind of way. Mm -hmm. And it had very much that vibe. That it did. It really I'm doing did. something that you don't know that I'm doing, but I'm doing it, it and icky. I'm loving it. Yeah, it was very yeah. gross. Um, it was icky. So before his sentencing... Um, at a hearing that was held in a ballroom in Sacramento to accommodate the audience, he was allowed to make a statement. And what he said was, I don't know why I was allowed to make a statement, but anyway, what he said was, I've listened to all your statements, each one of them, and I'm truly sorry to everyone I've heard. Thank you, Your Honor, uh, was how Thank he you, concluded. Yeah. yeah. And there was a big silence um, in the middle of when he was speaking, right? Yeah. Um, and... It just, it's not even that it didn't feel good. It didn't feel sincere. It's not even that. It's that he loved it. I, I, I really so. felt that he loved it. Something about it was, yeah, it was just wrong. And on Sacramento ABC Channel 10, they interviewed a psychoanalyst, Dr. Bethany Marshall, who said that the families weren't fooled by the apology of a man who inflicted cruelty and pain on his victims to enhance his arousal. And I think there was some some of that in his quote apology. Yeah, um, and and I can't believe they found a psychoanalyst of all things. I didn't even know there were still psychoanalysts. Well, but anyway, why? So okay, why wouldn't there be? Because uh, I know. Why well, shouldn't say I know? Freud's been sort of not not discredited debunked. but kind of totally. debunked yeah totally. um like i know that psychology's really moved away from everybody wants to have sex with their mother um, yeah i mean he just made that shit up yeah yeah i mean i'm gonna say a little too bad because i do love that line sometimes cigar is just a cigar right 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 but you know yeah i don't know so anyway uh you were about to say something i'm always about to say something <laughs> 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 you, can, you can walk up to me at podcast, three o'clock in the morning and wake me up and say, you were about to say something. And I would say something. I, I'm going to try that one day. <laughs> you should. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so what was I going to say? I, I was going to say something about the apology a, a lot. Well, I mean about his apology, but more also that space with w w in which the apology took place. So it was in a ballroom because of the pandemic, right? We needed space for uh -huh. social distancing, et cetera. Uh -huh. But that's the same ballroom that he graduated from the police academy in. So wow. there's a level of irony. Can I use that word in that? Um, and I, I just found that incredibly um apropos poetic justice right um yeah and then um in regards to people in his real life his real life was killing people that's that's yeah, why he lived yeah, that, that's what yeah, he did right yeah um 
I went through, I know we don't want to talk about him too much, right? I want to make him into some mythic figure because he's not. I think Michelle McNamara um, hit the nail right on the head when she said that he would timidly go towards the doorbell, right? This is not a, a strong man. This is a, right, a psychopath, right. right? Somebody who's absolutely fucking was- crazy. He was bad from day one, apparently. Like it, the stories of his childhood are that he 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 hit the big three. Like he tortured animals, he wet the bed, and what's the third one? He set fires. Burning, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think that that trilogy has also kind of been discredited. But then I also has it. Well, so we don't know, right? I my favorite okay. murder mentioned that it had kind of been discredited, along with like blood splatter I would be evidence. Really worried about somebody who did those three things. Uh, I would be sending them to <laughs> military school. And no, maybe not military school. That might make them worse. Moving. I don't know what I'd be yeah. doing, but yeah, yeah. They'd, they'd be getting lots of hugs. How's that? <laughs> they wouldn't be going to military school. They'd be getting lots of attention and, and deep care. No, I would be freaked the fuck out. Same as if I ever yeah. caught a child playing with a Ouija board. Demon spawn, you are going straight to hell. Did you play with a Ouija board when you were young? Totally. Look. <laughs> Here I am. Point proven. <laughs> right. Uh, Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be Ouija board players. No. Boo. Stupid. <laughs> Shut up, Theo. Um, but so, so yeah, um, a couple of things. First of all, he had a full-time job and then a second full-time job. As an accountant. Job. As an yeah. accountant, yes. <laughs> <Just> kidding. <laughs> For our listening audience that doesn't have TikTok, that is what sex workers say when uh, they have to explain where all their money comes from. They have a full-time job as an accountant. Um, And so he would spend hours and hours and hours surveilling neighborhoods and finding homes and targets, right? And then Mm -hmm. at the same time that he was scouting something out, he would also then be breaking into a future victim's home. Right. So Mm -hmm. he was always operating at like three different levels. He was scouting someplace new while at the same time, simultaneously becoming very familiar with an intended victim. And then at the same time that that's happening, he's then also in his 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 next victim's home, um, either committing an attack or hiding the uh, materials he would use. So he would break into people's homes leave rope behind, leave knives behind, keep them hidden in the house, right? Right. And then that way when he broke into the house, number one, he's not going to get caught with any material on him if the police happen to catch him. It's already there. Right? Yeah. Uh, Number two, that material's, well, I mean, we don't need to train serial killers. Um, (laughs) Here's how you do it. Right, totally. Here's here's how he did it, and here's how you could do it, too. Um, Yeah, yikes. But... um, so that's a lot of time. And then he also had a family, and that's also a lot of time. And it, so I was interested in his wife, and I'm not going to focus on her a lot, but it was kind of like, God, how can I be married to somebody for 40 years and have three kids with them and not know yeah. something's up? So it turns out that his wife is a is a divorce attorney and has yeah. been for over 38 years. They met when she mm-hmm. was 17 and he was 25. Um, 
and wow yeah i know slightly different era back then but even still 17 yeah to be that's iffy with a 25 year old that's it just feels like a lot um and not uh, that neither of us have never been there Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> but this is not about us. Yeah, no, this is, is, isn't about us. And <laughs> it's part of the reason why I started watching Raimi, that TV show on Hulu, because the guy's Egyptian. And I was like, oh, I want to see how this stacks oh. up with my first boyfriend's experience oh. as an Egyptian American. Um, and um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't stack up at all. Yeah. Fortunately, it's uh, the TV show is much better than uh, I'm trying not to say names. <laughs> that somebody's real life, not mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the wife. Um, so not much is known about her beyond that she's a divorce attorney, that she left him in 1991, that she took the three daughters with her, and that um, she's not highly regarded as a divorce attorney. If you go and look at, uh, there's a website that's called Avvo, A-V-V-O, which Uh does reviews of attorneys. And um, yeah, she, I mean. That's because she was married to a serial killer? No. So I filtered out everything that happened after Uh, 2015. Oh. Right. Because of course, right. And oddly, the more recent ones are more positive, but the ones from like 2012, let's put it this way. There's uh, eight reviews on Avo. Three of them are like 2015 onwards, around about the time that people started paying attention to their online reputations. And then the reviews pre-2015, oh boy, how did she keep her job is all I'm going to ask because people were not nice about uh, her. They were all one-star reviews. Um, wow. And basically, she yells at her staff in front of her clients. She yells at clients. She wow. wastes clients' time. She double bills. She billed somebody she... for coming into her office to pay their bill. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Which, I mean, God. you know, legal, but yes. all right. You need the money oh. that badly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, but she, we don't know why she separated from him, do we? I mean, I know that he had... We don't. Or do we? Okay. I know that he had been violent with previous, um, his previous fiance Bonnie, and um, previous girlfriends. Who he blames for... Um, what am I trying to say? His, his need for vengeance against Bonnie is what led... He's what led to him assaulting other women. Because during the yeah. attacks, he would... Um, cry and say, I hate you, Bonnie, which sometimes was, and of course you can totally understand where somebody um, who is, you know what, we'll just, we'll just skip that. And we'll say, I can understand where somebody might mishear that as I hate you, mommy. Oh yeah. Right. Right. But that's kind of what was confusing for the police officers at the time. just simply um, his behavior was so erratic and so, but at the same time, so highly organized, right? So I guess right. his emotional behavior, so erratic, right. crying and I saying, I hate you, Bonnie. And um, yeah, just. Uh, it's interesting, though, that she separated from him in 1991, but they didn't divorce until he was um, arrested for these crimes. And she's a divorce attorney. So it's not and like she's a divorce have, attorney. Right. 
Well, maybe though she knows that being divorced is not all it's cracked up to be. And you know, if you, especially in California where you have to split your earnings 50, 50 and he was a mechanic and she was a divorce attorney. So you assume that she made most of the money. Yeah. But then at the same time, you are too legally responsible for your spouse's debt. I don't know. Like if, if I ran up a bunch of bills, I think, James would be responsible for them, ultimately. I suppose so. Yeah, I, think I suppose so. so. Um, oh, my God. Why am I sitting here and not shopping? I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Bye, everyone. No. Um, yeah. Case closed. Solved. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know why she didn't divorce him, but it may just have been laziness or um, well, she, there was no... She had her reasons yeah. and she either they reason. were legal or they were, they were personal, but yeah, yeah, she didn't divorce him. And apparently they amicably co-parented their three daughters. Um, and I think the daughters were shocked to learn what he had been up to in his spare time. Oh. I, I know at least one of them was like, he was the best dad. Absolutely. Completely shocked. Um, let's see. There's uh there's a letter which I won't read from from his eldest daughter, but basically she talks about what a loving father uh, he was and how he supported her and her daughter, his granddaughter, and that um, they'll, there's a giant absence in their life now with his sentencing and being in jail. Um, and I do feel for his ex-wife, um, she had... a open letter to the court, and I will read a part of that as uh, soon as I find it, because my notes are real long. Here we go. So this is from his uh, ex-wife to the judge. I will never be the same person. I now live every day with the knowledge of how he attacked and severely damaged hundreds of innocent people's lives and murdered 13 innocent people who were loved and have now been missed for 40 years or more. I have lost the ability to trust people. I trusted the defendant when he told me he had to go to work or he was going pheasant hunting or going to visit his parents hundreds of miles away. When I was not around, I trusted he was doing what he told me he was doing. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And especially if you're, you know, maybe your marriage isn't all that great and you're kind of living separate lives. I mean, I'm just totally speculating now, but, um, if someone tells you they're, they're going out for the weekend to go pheasant hunting, you probably don't ask too many questions. Not at all. And, and why would you, right? Especially if why you're not you? living I mean, with the person anyway. at, at that time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, no. And you know, then there is that, um, the blame that happens, where it's, I mean, in a situation like this, and this is me imagining, right? Mm -hmm. But she's an attorney. She's yeah. smart. She went to school um, after being married to this guy. She got married when she was 17. It's not like she graduated yeah, law school at 14, right? Yeah. So, and raising three kids. And yeah. where do people get the energy? I have zero idea. I barely I have know, the energy to do the things that I have to do. That's so true. 
Yeah. Um, but I'm also real lazy, so I know I'm super lazy. some I'm of the lazy answer is. Anyone. <laughs> We've so answered our own question. Than others. That's right. So how do you rate his apology on a scale of one to ten? This is an easy zero. I mean... It's total zero. Yeah. I mean, he was only doing it to alleviate his sentencing and to get whatever kicks he got out of it and not out of any true remorse, I'm sure. There's, I don't see any remorse in him at all. And fine if there is or if there isn't. Um, what is important is that the victims can now be assured of no further contact from him. Yeah, He can't yeah. pick up the phone and call anybody to Thank get his God. jollies. Uh, or, yeah. I don't know, send an unsolicited... He'd never send an email as far as I know, but, um, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I, my heart just breaks, not for him, um, but the victims and survivors, for the victims, survivors, his family, you know, that shock of what do you do with this person that you loved? Horrifying. Yeah. And then I don't even know how you could cope with that. Every, every interaction you spend the rest of your life going over again and again and again, looking for the clue. And not only that. But everybody you meet in everyday life, you can't trust. Oh, I would never trust a living soul again. I mean... You trusted someone and they turned out to be a serial killer. How could you ever trust anyone again? That's so sad. No. So, I mean, he wrecked more lives than uh, just simply... Than just the people he victimized. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, fuck you, Joseph D'Angelo. Apology not accepted. Apology not accepted. Which feels straight, so, Chris. How about our apologies? Do you have who's sorry now? Who's Do you sorry have an now? This week? Oh my god! Uh, yeah. Okay. You know what? Change the subject. I have zero prep for this. Okay. Let's see. Let's see what happens. I can tell you my apology. Great. Please. I do. have an apology. While you think of one. So um, when I went to Phoenix this weekend and stayed in this nice hotel. It wasn't a super, 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 super nice hotel, but it was a nice hotel. And, um, well, it turned out to be prom night for one thing, which was a fucking nightmare. But, um, yeah, but, I mean, it was kind of cute, the kids getting all excited and being all dressed up and walking around the streets being happy. It was nice. But it freaked out my dog. And she's she's really super shy, and she's kind of neurotic. She's totally neurotic. So she didn't know what to do. I had to put her muzzle on because I was afraid she might freak out and be bitey. But she didn't. She was a good dog. Um, but when we went up to the hotel room, uh, when we checked in, uh, went and opened the door, and she made a beeline for this uh, corner of the room and peed on the carpet like she had planned it all along. And I'm sorry to the hotel. I tried to clean it up with towels and stuff. But, I mean, she didn't just, like, pee a little bit. She peed. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> For real. <laughs> so I don't know how they figure out when. So maybe they have blue lights or whatever, but I apologize and I'll pay the cleaning fee if I have to. If they listen to this podcast and track you yeah, down. Yeah, well, I pointedly did not say the name of the hotel. Or the podcast when you were in the hotel, I'm sure. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, you didn't do any. <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> funny okay because you have now helped me with my apology um, oh good yeah which is great but here's the oh isn't that funny part so my dog owes me an apology because no. my dog peed on our bed this weekend <gasps> no yes 
little cutie oh. was following me all around the house like an adorable little puppy and that was fine yeah. working on yeah. the separation anxiety and cool we're getting there yeah and uh and he jumped up on the bed and was being puppy jumping around right yeah. and i let him on furniture not on beds and that's hard yeah. for a puppy to figure out and i i get yeah. all that everybody so don't at me and um Looked right at me and then peed right on the duvet and <laughs> oh, it was shit. a nice long pee. And for about oh. three seconds, I was frozen like, are you peeing on the bed uh -huh, in front of uh -huh. me? And then it was like, okay, we're going to have to correct this behavior. Um, so I scooped him up and then I yelled at James, quick, get upstairs and get to bed. The dog peed on the bed. Because I don't want it sinking into the bed. mattress, right? It becomes yeah, a whole thing. Um and so wash the duvet, right? Yeah, yeah. And that took forever because yeah. it's full of feathers and feathers weirdly don't like to get wet and then yeah. take a long time to dry. So yeah. I more about me than anybody cares to know, right? If you're uh, fascinated. if you're taking notes, here's get ready, get that pen. So <laughs> I like to sleep with blankets. I need blankets. I can't sleep without blankets. And so the duvet wasn't dry by bedtime, right? It had been in the dryer oh. for like, I don't know, felt like 15 hours, but yeah. call it two. So I went to sleep in the guest room because I'm a giant baby who <laughs> needs a blanket. And I slept in the guest bed and I woke up in the morning and I was like, oh, I'll just make the guest bed. We don't have guests anymore. And I discovered a pee stain Oh no! that I had slept on. Oh, no. On the duvet in the guest room. Oh, so somebody no. jumped up on that bed and peed on it and oh, no. wasn't supervised, apparently. Oh, my gosh. By one of his parents. Somebody. Right. By somebody <laughs> who shall not be named. is home all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we'll just say I, it was, what do you do? Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It was sad. Oh, man. It was also kind of funny, but... It, but aggravating. So then I yeah. spent the whole weekend washing and drying and drying and drying and drying, and drying two duvets. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's more about me than anybody needs to know, but Henry owes me an apology for peeing on the bed and for allowing me to unsupervise him so that he could jump on the bed <laughs> pee. Poor Bubby. He's still very young. Is he? Yes. <laughs> when do they get old? I don't know. Two years. Hooray. <laughs> Hooray. All right. Well, I think that's it. Is that there anything is else that we have to discuss? That's it? No. Well, I mean, a heavy show, right? I mean, this yeah, a bit. serial killer in your head and what, a, you know, all of that. Um, so much. And so, yeah, I, I, I think we could safely say we're both on the same page with this. We yeah. don't approve of serial killers. Yeah. Controversial stance, I know. Yeah, really. Unpopular opinion. But they, uh, the incidence of serial killers, I believe, is decreasing. That's good. It is That's good. The, uh, technology's good. catching up with them. And, you know, now it's moving more into the mass shooting. Can we just end? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> I mean, where's the happy point? We were going to be on a positive note, but then now we're not. Now we're talking about shootings that happen every day. But...
Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone. It's been a great episode. We're sorry that we didn't end on a positive note. But we did but solve serial killers. So hooray for us. Maybe, America's heroes. Maybe we'll do a lighter episode next time. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at apologiesaccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>